Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And I'm here with James as we discuss uh, the post-match reaction to Arsenal losing 2-1 to Villarreal. Um, a very, very disappointing result. A utterly shambolic performance. And a lot of things... Um, made clear for us for many of us for the first time in a very long time James how are you doing today I am uh, doing okay um in the grand scheme of things still majorly majorly disappointed with uh yesterday's result absolutely shambolic in every way shape or form especially in that first half um but yeah we're, we're gonna get into that Yes, we are. We are indeed. We were supposed to start this podcast two and a half hours ago. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the result itself very much is in line with how we're feeling this morning. I didn't sleep until, well, James, you know what time I went to sleep because I was messaging yeah. you at around 3 a.m. in the morning. And yes. so I forgot to put my alarm uh, on so I could wake up on time. And here we are. Um, Arsenal once again, um, you know, uh, causing uh, problems even without matches uh, being played. So. Let's let's start off by talking about the um, starting eleven because there's a lot to talk about. Really, this game itself, the, regard. I mean, despite the, the 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 horrible football, there were other things that are worth talking about, like team selection for one, like mm-hmm. tactical setup. I think a, a lot of this is going to be um, about Arteta, about what he got wrong, and about fan sentiments towards him because I've seen a, a massive shift. A massive shift in um, trust in, you could say, belief. Yeah. belief. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, let's let's start off by talking about the starting eleven. What were your initial thoughts on on uh, on Arteta's starting eleven? Well, um, again, Jacko left back, massive, massive gamble. He keeps persisting with him, and yeah. um, yesterday was the first time where I where I, I've I've said what the hell are you doing because mm. it's okay experimenting in the premier league and, and playing him in you know other games like that but in a in a european semi-final i know mm. he's played uh, look at the couple the couple last uh, europa league games at left back as well but when you're at a semi-final the experimenting stops yeah and and you you don't you don't um you don't change uh you don't change what could be a winning to you well you, you you don't experiment as much as you normally do. Um, the other thing about the false nine, I don't understand why you're, you're experimenting with that as well. Mm. Um, he made the excuse that sometimes we have four strikers, uh, three strikers on the pitch and we don't score any goals. Um, so, you know, I'm not necessarily, my, my position hasn't changed on Arteta yet because of yesterday's result. But I am mm. nearing. I am nearing the. I am nearing breaking point. If we get knocked out next week, um, mm. I literally won't have anything to to back up my point on why probably Arteta deserves to stay in a job uh, based on that performance. Yeah, um, yeah. I think a lot of people are feeling that way. And listen, I need to remind everyone that this was always going to happen. Um, I said at the beginning of the season that this was always going to be a transition season, no matter how you dress it, no matter what Arsenal achieve or underachieve. This season was always going to be a season where Arteta needed the full season. And luckily for him, it's a pandemic season. 
So it helps a lot where he could get his house in order, his tactics in place, fix all the errors that he needed to. Um, and only then will we be able to properly judge him. But let me give my thoughts on the starting 11. Um, my starting lineup was very similar, except that I had Lacazette playing up front. He's obviously not back uh, full fit despite being in training. Aubameyang was on the bench, but I understand that he wasn't fully fit either. So um, difficult to start him. However, I did have Cedric in place at the left for Shaka, and I justified that by um, pointing out that whoever was going to play left back was going to play against the young 21-year-old Nigerian Chikwesi, who is one of their standout players and one of the guys who was going to try and penetrate that left-hand side as much as possible because that's where Arsenal's weak link is. Um, despite being you know, one of their top goal scorers as well, one of their brightest players who is being looked at by all European clubs around the world, around Europe, sorry. Um, mm. He was always going to hold that attacking, the the attacking movements with him. It was always, it was always going to flow through him. And that was very much the case. I mean, we conceded in the first five minutes. It was, it was clear what they were doing and any idiot could have seen it coming except for Marteta. And I, I can't for the life of me understand why that was. So that was a problem for me playing Shaka left back because as as well as he's done, you know, and I'm saying this with caution because I don't think he's necessarily done amazingly well. He's done a good performance against okay, really yeah. bad sized sides. Yeah. I think he played against Sheffield United and uh, Slavia Prague, which worked. And then um, it was a case of it all falling apart against um, Everton when he got absolutely done left to hang dry uh, by Richarlison and yesterday the same again. So, and, and, I'm, and I made the point as well that if there's a player that you want playing left back, you want something who is defensively capable, someone who you can trust, a defender, regardless yep. of whether he's right-footed or left-footed, regardless of whether he plays right back or left back, you need someone who is defensively capable of dealing with any threat. Who better than Cedric? Mm, put, yeah. put Bella in there. You know, who cares? Someone who knows how to do a defensive job. We don't need someone there who can play the ball forward. We don't need a ball player. We don't need a Kieran Tierney at this point because we have competent players all around the pitch. We've got Pepe who knows how to do a job. We've got Shaka in central midfield who does 10 times better job than he does at left back. So why do you need someone? I mean, that's the that's the only sort of justification I have for playing Shaka left back other than... Mm. Uh, aside from the fact that he's a great ball player, he knows how to feed the ball forward. I don't see any other reason why you'd put him at left back. Um, no, so, uh, yeah. So I think, look, I think Arteta got it wrong in that, uh, f for that, um, to, to play uh, Shaka left back. Everyone else I was pretty much happy with at the back. Callum Chambers didn't look the best, but I still would have played him because the, the form shows us that he's probably your number one choice. Um, uh, again, Mari was quite bad holding was okay everyone at the back today last night sorry was really quite poor um i don't know what happened i just i just can't put, put my finger to it but on paper right. you know i was happy to play them um center mid uh Partey and tobias we've, we've seen tobias play really well in the last few games up until yesterday don't know what happened yeah. there Partey uh, as well started to fade out of the game so but looks in terms of starting 11 i was happy to play them there Pepe and Saka, fantastic. More than happy to play them there. And then we had the case of playing Mil smith as a false nine and Odegaard as a number 10. Now, I, I get I get the criticism. I do. I understand why fans are pissed that he did that. But had it had worked, 
we would have all been singing his praises this morning. So it's unfair to point that out and to drill him for that because mm-hmm. it was it was something that it, it was almost forced out of his hand. He didn't really have much of a choice. If you wanted to see Nketiah up front, guys, by all means, I'm not going to be here and um, advocating that choice. I don't want to see Nketiah playing in the starting 11 again this season because I don't think he offers anything. He's just, he takes a space. That's the way I see it, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. Balogun, on the other hand, you could say, yeah, potentially we could have played him there because guess what? He signed a new contract and he needs as much game time as possible. But do you want to play him in a semi-final against Villarreal? I most certainly don't. In terms of Martinelli, what do you do? You could have played Martinelli because Martinelli has had minutes. He's had a lot of minutes. Um, recently he's had time to develop but is he ready to play center forward when he can barely play left wing he has great ability he has a brilliant uh work rate work ethic he is like um i'm trying to describe he's like a, he's like a little squirrel you know he just jumps from one place to another really quickly um but he he is not he, he hasn't finessed he hasn't he hasn't sharpened his tools enough to be starting and so what does that leave you with that leaves you with risking Aubameyang for 90 minutes or you do what uh, Arteta did uh, play Emil Smith in a false nine it didn't work really because we because Villarreal were brilliant you know that's the only way I can put it it could have worked but Villarreal did their homework Unai Emery did his homework and he absolutely scored Arteta um, having said that though let's talk about the game because I've talked about the, the, the starting 11 obviously didn't work there were some pluses a big minus in playing Shaka left back um, but talk to me about that first five minutes because that's when we conceded our goal first five minutes I I was um, doing a I phone in with uh, Scott the Red Cannon and I said, I'll yeah. say it again, I totally switched off. I When we scored the first goal, I didn't even react. It's getting to the point where I don't even react to us conceding because, you know, I, yeah. I expect... I expect it's going to happen. It's like and it's like a dot on the cards, as they say. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was just like, oh, well... Um, because you know it was that it was that quickly we switched we switched off that we switched we're able to switch off um, that quick in the game because we started Uh, off pretty well didn't we yeah I think we started we started off pretty well we 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 were just trying to take a hold of the game and then uh, click your fingers and then we were 1-0 down uh, due to defensive and stupid mistakes but um, Mm. yeah yeah, because I really enjoyed the first opening five minutes up until the goal was conceded. I could see that there was a real attitude of trying to play a high tempo, trying to press them quite high up the pitch as well. You could tell that they were quite uncomfortable playing the ball out from the back, um, almost making a few mistakes. And um, But having said that, look, it was clear that, and, and I said this, I said this, I predicted this, and I hate being right about these kind of things because I'm a fan. I shouldn't be right. I should always be proven wrong. But I said this, that uh, Villarreal and Unai Emery were going to try and slow the game down as much as possible. We're going to try and play the tempo that suited them because we know that Arsenal like to play a high tempo, high energy type of game where pressing high on passing it really quickly trying to get it into the final third um, suiting it a little bit more to the Premier League but Villarreal on the other hand and with Unai Emery and I remember this at his time at Arsenal one of the biggest frustrating things was how slow we would build up how many times we'd see the ball moving sideways and they did that yesterday and it worked a treat because it slowed us down 
and we almost looked a little bit clueless at some points. Um, but that first goal was a disaster, a train wreck. I want to talk about mm-hmm. this first goal because this first goal very much summarizes Arsenal's season. Um, and I'm going to pull it up here because, yeah, um, because the manner in which that we, we conceded that goal was shocking. It was embarrassing to say the least. How we let Foyth and uh, Spurs rejects run that far without anyone putting in a leg. And this is, uh, this, this is to Sabios, who was awful in that first opening five minutes. Um, yeah. So I can't, I can't quite understand because as you can see in the four, four, four minute, 20 seconds, they are playing the ball from the back, really slow, really calm. And then the balls then finally released on the right hand side to Foyth, who is able to run in. So as you can see, when the build up starts, Arsenal are backing off. This is this is mistake number one. You don't back off when the ball is in the final third. When the ball is in the penalty area of the opposition, you don't back off. This is what no. Arsenal have done really well this season. They have always pressed and always put the pressure on the opponent where they've been forced to either kick the ball out or make a mistake. We saw it against Lavia Prague in the second leg. In the second leg, the goalkeeper was kicking the ball out uh, for a throw in time and time out, time out because Arsenal were pressing high up and um, they weren't able to deal with it. So this is where Arsenal give the opposition space. The ball goes into the centre. He plays it out wide to Foyth. Foyth has miles of room to run. He's smiling to himself as he's running. He's thinking, oh, I've got this much freedom. Okay. Runs into the final third. He's then got one, two, three. He's got four players around him. He releases it to Chiquese. At that point, chiquese has got so much space and time on that right-hand side. Shaka's really in trouble there. You could tell. Um... He, he he not only skips past Shaka, he, he skips past Sobios as well. So there is two defenders there and yeah. he skips past both of them. And it's it's embarrassing. It really is a really School bad piece error. of defending. Yeah. Schoolboy error. And then the ball falls to the goal scorer. And I don't know who the goal scorer was, um, but he drills it bottom left and they're 1-0 up. And you're thinking, ah, here we go again. I'll be honest, at it that point, I was... Trikeros is Trike- the one... N- no, no, he didn't score. He was the one that assisted. The goal scorer was, uh, yeah, Trigueros Munez. Sorry, I thought you were saying Chiquez. Um, Yeah, Trigueros Munez scored the first opening goal in the first five minutes. And yeah. at that point, I'll be honest with you, I was feeling a little bit like, oh, here we go again. But I had belief that we could pull it back. You know, if opening five minutes usually need. It's usually quite good when um, a team, whether it be Arsenal or Villarreal, score quite early on because then it opens the game up and then you're expecting to see a real game of four. Um, but talk to me about the following minutes after that goal. Um, well, remainder of that or, or leading up to that second goal almost. What happened? Why did, why, why did we fail to respond? It's the, it's the same old story. We'll go one nil down and it's like we, we give up. We have, we have a weak mentality and we just, we just give up. And um, with Arsenal sides down the years, that hasn't been the case. You see him as like you, I, I, don't, I don't like to reference them too much, but you see like the Invincibles and, you know, we're known for not giving up. But in mm. recent years, we've just gone to go down and said, we've just gone to go down and gone, oh, well. Oh, well, it's only, it's only, it's only a game of football. And, and you know, yeah. we haven't responded. And that was exactly the same last night. Didn't, didn't, um, didn't respond well to the goal. Uh, didn't create many chances. Uh, and, and, uh, not that I can remember anyway. Um, 
And yeah, just completely a bit lazy, if I if I may say, a bit lazy to <laughs> to to say the least of um, Arsenal because they didn't show any any fight after any response, and we needed a response desperately. Yeah, and um, we I, th- I think we sort of did get somewhat of a response because after that goal, um, I mean, the opening ten minutes were very frustrating because we obviously conceded that goal, and then we needed to bounce back back up and I felt like that the boys were almost a bit shell-shocked didn't really know how to respond they were rocked and you could tell that Villarreal wanted to take advantage as quickly as possible falling asleep fading away quite early on um really worried I was really quite worried about Danny Sabayos early on as well because you know he was being very rash he was placing himself really awkwardly I didn't like how deep he was playing and this is this is what you get from Shaka this is what people don't realize about Granite Shaka his positioning of the ball is brilliant because he knows where to be. He knows how to hold a structure. Now he might not be the most intelligent player on the ball. He might not know um, when to pass the ball at all the times at all times. And he might take three or four touches, but where he is positioned allows the team to coherently pass the ball around. And when Danny Sabas yesterday was playing so deep, it, it, it almost forced Partey to play that pivot role and to play it with um, Shaka's role in mind as well. Um, so he was doing Shaka's role and his role at the same time and it was a hand for him. And um, yeah, I felt like Sabayos made it a lot more difficult than it could. It should have been. And I was surprised because he was playing up against Villarreal, a team that he should have been familiar with at his time in, in La Liga. So uh, I'm surprised that he did take such a... a, a, a a deep position. It's such a. I'm surprised he played in such a way where it, it harmed us quite a bit. Um, but yeah. look, you know, we we got back into the game a little bit. Uh, we were we were holding a lot of position after ten minutes. I think uh, um, uh, building up to the fifteenth minute, we were we had the ball quite a bit. We were passing it around quite a bit. We had the ball down the flanks. We looked quite dangerous, um, but it looked nothing. It came to nothing, really. Um, it, and then, you know, when you're, you're thinking to yourself that it's, we're 1-0 down, we've, we're seeing most of the ball. Um, it took us 25 minutes to have our first shot, really. Mm. Um, with a great move playing from the back. And I think it was Bakar Saka who had the shot. Well, it went over. Mm. Um, but credit to him because we weren't creating anything else. We weren't having any other... So we weren't creating any other chances to have shots on goal. Um, yeah, and and, and, start and it came. Yeah, we, yeah literally. That's, that's all we need. We needed to break them down the lines. We need to play the f- ball through the lines. And that's what we didn't do. We, play, we decided to play it down the flanks and we suffered for it because um, straight after parties... No, this was before parties... 30-yard 30 30 yard screamer that is typical 30-yard screamers, trademark shots that we always see every game. Um, but before that, we um, we conceded another goal. Yep. So, you know, yeah, just same old, same old again. Um, we have a shot. We have a shot. We, we seem like we're getting back into the game and then we just get pulled back down to earth and then make those stupid mistakes again. And um, yeah. Uh, concede another goal and have a mountain to climb at this point. So what what happened here in this second goal? Let's talk about it. Let's talk because about this it. I'm is gonna, I'm going to put it up now. Hold on. This is gonna... very very bad. This is very very bad. Um, this is minutes before 
the opportunity created by us where we're running down the flank with um, Pepe, Odegaard had the ball, Odegaard plays it short to Saka, Saka has a shot and it goes over um, and then leads up, this This is leading up to their goal uh, and it's from a set piece, surprise, surprise, again, mm-hmm. it's funny isn't it, how many set pieces Arsenal have and um, in, in games and on average, you know, it's difficult um it's difficult to understand why Arsenal can't be as effective on set pieces as Villarreal were. I don't know whether it was because it was a great set piece or whether it was terrible defending. And so the ball comes into the box. It is a great delivery, I have to admit. But who is picking up? Um, Who is that? Is that Chiquese? I'm not sure who that is in the middle, but whoever um, heads that on. Who's who's no. supposed to be picking? I think it's Moreno. It's Moreno, isn't it? Yeah. Who's picking up number nine Moreno? I think it's um, um, Mari. I think it's Mari, Mari that's supposed to be picking him up. And he leaps, Moreno leaps above Mari and everyone else. And it is just, I can't explain it. I can't understand. This is training ground stuff. You need yep. to time your jumps better and you need to be the first on the ball. You can't allow a number nine. I mean, I get it. Moreno is a bit too, um, he's obviously great in the air as he proved it, but you can't be out muscled by Moreno. You need to be, you know, shoving him out of the way. Use your strength, put him on the weights, yeah, get absolutely. your header in there, clear the ball out. He gets the header back, back post and Raul Albiol's there to, to, to hit it home. Um, it's, it's almost like a tap in and it just seemed like everyone was asleep because if you look if you look back to when the ball is coming in Bakayo Saka and someone else, I think it's Partey are literally just standing there they, as the ball comes in they are motionless no one is reacting to what's happening and then the ball is flicked at the back post Albiol's there and everyone freezes and everyone and, and the body language just says it all the body yeah. language says it all yeah, you're, you're you're totally correct. Um, considering we have a set piece coach, uh, I don't yeah. know, I don't know what they've been what they've been told to do. Uh, but as you said, the body language is is totally totally wrong. Uh, I just I saw two indications of that. Um, yeah. Rob Rob Holding was laughing with one of the Villarreal players um, mm. Mm. at a corner mm. at a corner. You don't do you don't do that in a European semi final. I mean, you think you think back to when Aubameyang did that with um, Aston Villa's um, centre back. What's his name? Uh, Mings. Mings. <laughs> Mings was laughing away with him, and then he he is a lapse in concentration, and they scored from it. You'd think yeah. they'd learn. Yeah, you'd think they learn, and 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 you shouldn't be laughing when you're in a game. You shouldn't be laughing with your. I know they may be your mates outside of, you know, club duties, but you shouldn't be. You should be. It should be every man for themselves out there, and. Uh, especially Rob Holding, he was a bit. Um, he surprised me a little bit because he was still moaning at the. He was still moaning at the decision at the beginning of the second half that happened in the first half. He's just mm. you know, he, he couldn't you know he couldn't just con- he let, he lacked concentration and that's we need to concentrate in these situations otherwise we lose the game. Awful. Awful, awful defending. Goddamn awful defending. And it 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 just continued, really. I mean, you're 2-0 down. Would you and I, I was thinking back to the game against West Ham when we were 3-0 down pretty early on. It was a similar situation, and it did seem like they would score a third pretty early on, uh, after following that goal. Thankfully they didn't. But I wanted a response of which 
that we uh, gave to West Ham, and I didn't get it. Um, and I understand that you're 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 playing in a European, you know, semi-final. But with all due respect to Villarreal, they aren't a great side. They didn't show no. me anything yesterday to suggest that they are a great side. They are. They were a side yesterday who got a handful of opportunities, handful, two or three opportunities in the first half. They took two of them. Um, they didn't have much of the ball they didn't create much on the ball it was Arsenal that sat back it was Arsenal that made errors it was Arsenal that gave them the goals so it was mm-hmm. uh, if you're asking me was this a Unai Emery masterclass I, I, I would I find it hard to call it a masterclass of such but um, he managed the game absolutely perfectly he knew what Arsenal were going to do and this I think I think this is why fans are pissed at Arteta because of how one dimensional he was and how predictable Arsenal looked on the night um, because the only attacking outlet that I noticed us play was down the flanks I only saw Bukayo Saka and Pepe really try and penetrate their their defensive wall I didn't see us try and break them down the middle I didn't see us um, try to feed the ball you know down the line try and get it into Emil Smith Rowe try and break down um, the the heart of the defence the centre-backs um, but also I think you know it, it was difficult for us to do to try and attempt to do anything like that without a number nine and also I think Odegaard had a pretty flat game I think he was quite not to say he was poor but I don't think he was as effect he was as effective as we would have liked him to be um and that was maybe because he just come back from injury and he's a bit rusty and he needs that odd you know Newcastle game or that West Brom game maybe he was brought back too early maybe Arsenal and Arteta should have played in Ketia and Emil Smith Rowe down the middle at number 10 um but look with 30 minutes gone um really it, it it looked like that was it. The game was done. Arsenal yeah. were not going to get anything out of this game um, until we were given a penalty. The first penalty shout, a ball, lovely ball over the top for Pepe, ran onto it. It did hit his arm, um, but the referee did give a penalty um, until obviously VAR stepped into place and VAR strikes again. That. Um, did you feel like Arsenal, yeah, did you feel like Arsenal were going to get a goal back in that first half after they scored their second? Uh no, I I uh I was the same as you. I I just think that first half we would it was more of of a feeling out process rather than uh looking to score a goal. I think we were still trying to we were still trying to figure out how Unai Emery was playing and how Villarreal were playing in that first half to then possibly go on in the second half and realize oh yeah we're, we're playing a game here we have to get back in the, into this. So no, I didn't expect a, a goal in the first half to come and you know. It was further compounded by that no penalty decision, and that was really the end of the half at that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, just before the half ended, they almost got a third goal when Foyth was allowed to run into so much space. Um, I think he passed the ball on to somebody, whether it was Chiquese or somebody. Uh, I think it was Moreno who had a shot and it was a great save by Leno. Leno, who, by the way, credit to him, saved us once again from conceding any more than um, we did. And, and we should have conceded a lot more. Uh, but that first half for me was absolutely dire. Poor, poor, poor. You know, no tactical initiative there at all. No one really knew what to do with the ball when they got it. There was no plan. I think the only plan was to try and play it through the flanks, try and pass it into Pepe and Saka. And if that's if that's the type of football that you want to play, then I'm sorry, you belong nowhere else than mid-table. That is what you call a mid-table mentality. Mediocre. 
Um, and I feel for Arteta, I do, because I see in Arteta a coach who is a good coach. He knows how to coach players. He knows how yep. to get the, in most cases, he knows how to develop players really well and get the best out of them. And not only that, he knows how to fix problems. But what he hasn't done is he hasn't developed the style of football that we're, we're that we need to play. Yesterday mm. was a prime example of that. Um, so, go on. Yeah, no, but also that that filters down to he hasn't been able to develop uh, develop the style of play because of the players we have. We let's not forget we don't have the best players. We don't have the players that Arteta maybe wants to implement into into his system. Yes, we have a few uh, a few of them, but there are some people in that team that I could just go, yeah, you 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 you're gone because there's some there's some players in there that really don't deserve to be here and. Uh, I'm not one to criticise players, but there are some in there that really should uh, should either, if they want to stay, uh, perform, or either get out of the club. Um, but um, yeah, I think when when he gets his players, and if he gets his players, because yet, yet yet again it stems it stems down to the Cronkies always because mm. we need the money to be able to spend on players. Yeah. Um, which uh, is 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 ridiculous in itself because you you think that we would, but it's not that easy. Um, yeah, it's just I hope I do feel a bit I do feel um, sorry for Arteta in that way, but I do think that he needs to learn some things, and obviously he is because he's le- he's a developing coach. So hopefully he does uh, learn from yesterday's game and uh, prepares it well for next week. Let's talk about the second half now. Um, yeah. So the second half, you know, I ex- I very much expected Arteta to make a change, make a change or two changes. You know, I think conservative. To be fair, uh, and uh, judging by Arteta's track record, I think you might have expected one change. We got the opposite. Arteta made no changes and Villarreal did end up making a change. They got our boy, our ex-player Francis Coquelin on for, don't know who it was, uh, but they made a change and they, they by making a change, they made a clear statement of wanting to sit back and wanting to see the game out. Arteta, on the other hand, I really, really expected him to take off at least either, either Odegaard, Emil Smith-Rowe, or Danny Sabaos, one of the three needed to come off and make way for either Martinelli or Aubameyang because we needed to switch things up and we needed to start to play football, which was a little bit less unpredictable. We needed to cut through the lines. We needed to challenge Villarreal because they didn't have the best centre-backs. Other than Torres, they didn't have the strongest back four compared to you know what what they would have been facing and we saw in the final minutes when Aubameyang came on we we finally in the last two two minutes of the game finally decided to play the ball feed through the line we cut them up like uh sliced them like butter and yeah Aubameyang had the ball and he he missed you know call it rustiness call it whatever you want um but that was evidence enough for me to show that we were we approached this game wrong. Absolutely. We got it absolutely wrong. But let's talk about the second half. Let's talk about what we expected. Um, I feel like the, the the start of the second half was really quite bright. Um, yep. Pepe with a half chance almost instantly. You know, once again, really reluctant to play. The, and look, you don't necessarily need to play the ball down the line. It doesn't always need to be like that. You can play the ball um, amongst Partey, Odegaard, Emil Smith-Rowe and encourage Pepe and Saka to get in the box. If you've got players on those wings with that much quality, 
get them into the box and then play the ball into them and allow them to express themselves, allow them to have shots on target. Because I can bet you one thing, one out of three of those shots will be on target or will result into a goal. Uh, but they didn't do that. And, you know, Pepe's half chance again showed me, gave me a bit of encouragement. I thought that maybe that we were going to switch up the way that we were going to play. Maybe that um, we were we were going to try and play it short to them and try and get them into the box. Um, but it, these long balls continue to come in and we've been seeing it time and time again this season. And I stress it again. You're never, ever going to make anything out of playing long, beautiful crosses into the box unless you have a number nine who is able to win the ball in the air. Number one or number two is physically strong and demanding enough to get a touch on the ball when the when, when the ball is fizzing into the box. Um, doesn't matter. And there were beautiful balls coming into the box. Some from Callum Chambers, some from Partey, some from um, Saka, even Pepe. And they were it was it was coming nothing to it. And I was getting so frustrated because um, there was no one there and and what made it even more frustrating was that Arteta wasn't making the change he wasn't getting a number nine on he he, he, I don't usually like to talk about his his delay in making subs to be honest I'm I was I was I was I've always been under the impression that it was a myth um, that he doesn't make his um, subs quick enough Um, I think that he he's he's still learning like you say he's still developing as a coach and um i, I think fans often take it a bit too far when they say you know oh, he, he makes his subs too late but to, last night, he really did make them too late he really did he make did. it too late i can't remember the first sub that came on um but um it was it was i think it was after the sabios red card so talk to me about the second yellow card how do you feel about that well, he was warned. This is what people are saying. He was warned about... He was warned by the referee. At uh, the beginning of the second half, he made a challenge and the referee went over to him and said, one more and you're off. And he makes one... And he, and he, he stamps on he stamps on um, the Villarreal player's foot. And you only have to look at Mikel Arteta's reaction to realise, yeah, you've, 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 done, you've done it now. You've, you, you're off. Because uh, that is it's inexcusable. You've been told, you've been told to be careful, calm it down, and it's just reckless. It's just absolutely reckless. And um, he was Mikel Arteta was actually going to take Sabayos off before that happened, but yeah. it was too, it was too late to uh, it was too late to to do it. But because before he had a chance to make uh, get the substitution ready, he'd already done it and been sent off. So it it really is a a hard, a hard thing to a bit of pill to swallow, but yeah, he will be out next game. And contrary to what people think, that may be a good thing because yeah. um, uh, I think we played well with him not on the pitch. I have to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it seemed like that. It seemed like when we were ten men, when we were one man down, um, it, we that was the f- the switch that flicked, and we started to then play football. We started to then hold the game, get the game by the scruff of the neck and actually go for it. But, um, and Villarreal looked a bit bemused, a bit confused. Like, hold on, what's happening here? You know, they've got one man down. Why are we sitting off for? Um, but um, I, I personally felt like the second yellow was a bit harsh because he was, it was his trailing foot that stepped on, um, I don't know who it was, but the guy stuck his leg out um, and I think Sabayos was quite unlucky to be where he was because he was in the mo- he was in the motion of moving off, like running off, um, and it was quite difficult for him to stop his 
leg, his his feet from landing where it did. But, you know, nonetheless, letter of the law, it is a second yellow and he is off. And that's when um, Martinelli comes on. Um, Martinelli finally comes on and I was praying, I was hoping that, God, I really hope in the final 30 minutes, he delivers. He does something because if there's one thing that we can rely on Martinelli to do is make an impact. Um, Regardless of where he is, he just, that injection of energy. Um, And just after he comes on, I think um, they miss a a worldie of an opportunity. I I don't know if you can remember, but Coquelin feeds the ball into Moreno and it's a really great save by Leno. He's basically one-on-one with with Leno. Um, He strikes it quite hard, quite central to Moreno, sorry, to Leno, and it's saved. Um, But that for me is, is a prime example of, regardless of how good Arsenal play or how possessive they are, on the pitch, it only takes the opposition one opportunity, one opening to open us up. And I can't for the life of me understand why it is that Arsenal can't do that. Well, why is it the case that Arsenal need five, six, seven opportunities in order to get a goal? But when it's in opposition, they only need one opportunity. They only need one opening. Yeah, you can you can talk about that all day until you're blue in the face. It's always the case. You see teams, you see teams, and I'm like, oh, I'd love, I'd love us to be this good. I was watching uh, City in the cup final against Spurs, and I was thinking to myself, oh, I'd love to be this good, you, you know, because they're just, it's just seamless. But with us, it just, it seems like we're always uh, trailing behind, <laughs> trailing behind uh, uh, the way we're playing. Um, I don't know if that made any sense, but no, trailing yeah, behind, yeah. as in. Our, our way of playing on the pitch isn't good enough. So, and we're always one step behind. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I just hope we can improve next week because uh, next week is uh, the biggest game of our season by far. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's, let's talk about um, the goal, our goal, mm. because it mm. was very sort of cool. almost instantly yeah. after the opportunity where we won that penalty. And again, it's, Bakayo Saka, who single-handedly, I think he was my man of the match yesterday because he was absolutely brilliant, even in that second half, always trying to make something happen. Pepe as well, by the way, who was brilliant, really good on the left-hand side. I've been screaming for this guy to play on the left-hand side. He has been doing it in the last few games, but why couldn't it be he have been playing there from earlier? Why did we persist with playing um, Aubameyang and Martinelli? I mean, I'm just I'm full of rants this morning because I can't, for the life of me, understand what logic Arteta is having here um, with some of the decisions, but we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute. The goal itself, really glad that the ref gave that as a penalty because I because I can see that not being given in the Premier League. Um, mm. And there's been a number of times where players have been clearly blatantly fouled in the box. Referees not being given it, especially when you have three or four different players around one player. It just it, it for me in, um, at, at when I first viewed it, it seemed as if that Saka just tripped or he just fell because there was a bit of a scuffle in the box. But he was indeed fouled, and we did get a penalty. Um, and Pepe puts it puts it in. He he gets a goal, um, and then you're thinking to yourself, right, we've got our away goal now. Be honest with me. Did you think that after we got that goal, we were going to go on to score another one or to concede another one? Well, I, I, I would, I would always remain positive, and I, I said um, we always have a chance because, you know, it's not only the, it's the adrenaline of scoring that first goal that can spur you on to score another one, mm. and like, uh, like, um, it, 
it can it can happen to where you you score the first goal and then you quickly go up the other end and score. So I was hoping I was hoping for a good a good um, passage of play after the goal to hopefully go up the other end and score. And we nearly had that chance with Aubameyang, but um, he in the last he, um, two minutes, literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the last two minutes, he slipped. I think. Um, yeah. And that's it. But I'm, I'm just uh, the only positive I can take is the huge uh, away goal that we scored. Um, mm. That still keeps us in this tie. Yeah, and let's also not forget after that goal, just before you know, before the Abamyang chance happens, they had a hatful of chances to end the tie themselves. I was really worried and concerned how easily they were able to open us up, and it was almost it almost they needed to concede that goal for them to really unleash. Um, but Moreno, again, with so many opportunities to score and end the tie and us at the back, half asleep, not really knowing how to defend, not really knowing how to penetrate. Um, credit to Shaka, who dealt with Chiquese relatively well. He had a bit of support back there from, I forgot who it was, um, but somebody was supporting him at the back and it helped because um, he was kept quiet but you know the mistake had already been made the damage was already done in the first five minutes um, and you know finally after hacking away at Bukayo Saka for a good part of that game um, Etienne Kapu is, is, is the unfortunate one at the receiving end of a second yellow so Etienne Kapu it goes off it's 10 versus 10 he takes a very long time to leave the pitch as well what, you, what are you thinking 10 versus 10? Are you thinking Arsenal are going to go for it and get this second goal? I would, I would, yeah. I, I obviously it's eleven playing field. And I think, well, I think we played better with ten men. So I think because um, <laughs> the wasn't on the pitch, so I think we could. We we looked a bit more brighter. We looked a bit more like we'd we'd uh, had something lifted, and we we certainly made a flurry about of getting a um, uh, a goal uh, to level it up, but. Unfortunately, we weren't able to. But yeah, we did look a lot brighter and I did think we, we may be able to go and get a goal, but unfortunately, it wasn't the case. Yeah, I was really hoping that they would. I was really hoping that Arsenal would pick themselves up and look at look look around at each other and say, boys, this is it. We need to now press forward. Um, and like you said, there were some bright spells in there, definitely in the, far, in the last sort of 15 minutes or so. But I also that Villarreal were trying to kill the game as quickly as possible and again this was a case of just tactical almost geniusness from um, Unai Emery who was clearly who clearly knew how to play against Arsenal really well again by slowing down the tempo again by keeping possession and Arsenal not trying to win the ball back not trying to commit themselves and get the ball back it took it took <laughs> 85 minutes to get a Bamiyanko and I'm laughing to my songs. I can't quite understand and believe what, what on earth was going through his mind that he needed to keep Aubameyang on the bench for as long as he did. Even for 15 minutes, surely he's fit enough to play 15 minutes of football. But he gets him on in the last yeah. five minutes and um, part A as well, someone who was fading out of the game, making a few mistakes, giving the ball on, giving the ball to um, the Villarreal, which almost cost us a goal. But um, like I said, in the last two minutes, Aubameyang has an opportunity and then we got five minutes added on, which doesn't amount to anything really, but that's the end of the game. Um, and uh, Arsenal lose 2-1 and it's all to play for at the Emirates really, isn't it? Mm, yeah, all to play for. Uh, if there's ever a game you need to win, it's this one. And, you know, uh, United are pretty much uh, <laughs> waiting for us if we do get in. Um, yeah, home and dry. Home and dry, absolutely, absolutely staggering performance by them uh, yeah. to be 
to go to go behind and then to pull pull away like they did. Uh, but this is not uh, the United therapy podcast. This is the Arsenal therapy podcast. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. talk about United too much, but yeah. um, hopefully next week. Uh, and then you have the added, but well, it's not the bonus, but you have the protest next week as well. Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, for before the Villarreal game. Yeah. Uh, so if they ever needed a, a response to the protest, yeah, and to make up for what they did on on Friday against Everton when the first protest happened, that is the response you need. The response is get to the final and hopefully have a great chance of winning the trophy. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Next Thursday is what counts. We are very lucky to have only lost 2-1. Should have been 3-1-4-1. Villarreal will be kicking themselves for not ending the tie there and then, but we have the away goal. We have somewhat of an advantage going into the Emirates. We need to score and we need to keep a clean sheet and then we're through to the finals. Will that happen? God knows. What I can say is that the number of players who have been injured are hopefully will be returning and we will be seeing the likes of Kieran Tierney, David Luiz, Aubameyang, Lacazette, it hopefully playing and hopefully rescuing us from this uh, abysmal train wreck um, of a tie that we witnessed last night. Um, I'm going to leave it there because uh, I, I need to dash. I'm running a little bit late. So I want to I want to thank everyone who's watched this stream, uh, who's been commenting um, and who's been supporting the show. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed the show, please do help us out by giving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, that will be highly appreciated. If you want to reach out to us uh, let us know with your thoughts what you thought about the show whether you wanted to add on to any points that we made um, you can find myself on Twitter at GunnerSince96 you can find James on Twitter as well at AFC. you can find me on YouTube as well GunnerSince96 um, where I'll be making a lot more content about the aftermath of his press conference the game leading up uh, to next Thursday as well um, but until next Thursday um, take care of yourselves Stay safe. Try and attend the uh, protest as well. We all need to stick together at this point and try and force some change. Um, yeah, I'll see you next Thursday. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.